0: Today's scripture readings from Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 to 9. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Moray. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and I to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord.
1: We have a little video. I wasn't sure we'd have time to show this, but it's just too good to miss, so uh, let's roll that video.
0: Hey babe, I'm going to pick up the girls.
1: All right, love you.
2: Said I love you. Love you too. You ever do that? You ever tell someone that you love them and you make sure that they say it back? I don't know what it is. I guess sometimes we just need to know where we stand with people. But hasn't it always been that way? I mean, think about it. When we were children, there was a 100% guaranteed reliable method that we used to find out whether or not someone liked us. I mean, it stood the test of time for centuries. And every kid on the planet knew it. You know what I'm talking about. The check the box note. And if you were smart, you would have your best friend to act as courier and then sit there in your seat and wait nervously for the response now I have a confession to make most children grow out of the check the box phase by middle school but me I gave my last check the box yes or no note when I was 27 years old now before you judge me just listen to my story it was a Sunday morning and there I was at church While everyone else was singing, all I could do was think about the beautiful lady who was just sitting three seats down from me. I had known her for a few months, and we had talked just how you doing and what's up, that kind of stuff. But I wanted more, and I just had to know if she felt the same way. So while everyone else was listening to the pastor, I sat there strategizing the best way to find out how she felt. And then it hit me. So I grabbed an offering envelope and one of those pencils that are only used in church and golf carts, and I wrote her the note. I folded the envelope and passed it. I was a nervous wreck. Never in the history of note passing had it taken so long for three people just to deliver a note. Stephanie opened it. She grinned and grabbed a pencil. And by the time I got her message back, my anxiety had taken a nosedive into clinical illness. And now the moment of truth so what did I do I bought her something and here we are 12 years later I still have the note I found it in a desk drawer just the other day and it got me wondering what does God think about me I mean, let's be honest. On any given day, we are far less than likable. And wouldn't it be great on one of those days if we could just give a note like this to God just to make sure that He likes us, that we're in His good graces? And then it hit me. He's already answered the question. He checked the box, yes. How do I know this? It says it in His Word, His love letter to us. It says in Isaiah forty-nine sixteen. It says that I have engraved your name on the palm of my hand. He checked yes. I mean, he was all in with his love. It was a definite yes. He even likes us, wants to have a relationship with us. So I don't know if you're ever going to get a love letter like this or if you see one in your near future. But this right here may be the greatest love letter that we could ever receive. He said yes.
1: Indeed. He said yes. He sent you a little box to check, and uh, I hope we've all checked that box that we want to be friends with God. Well, uh, we're in a series of messages called Core Strength, and we're trying to uh, trying to coordinate that with uh, core strength for our own bodies. And uh, Many of us have been doing sit-ups and push-ups and all those kind of things. Now as the days go by, it's maybe 30 days or so, it's getting a little more difficult because uh, you're adding one more every day. So I, I, uh, I hope your midsection is, uh, is still doing okay. How many times have you said to your teenager, anybody who gets you in trouble is not your friend? How important are your friends to you? Uh, Lee Iacocca, the guy who helped Chrysler restore its fortunes uh, years ago, his father always told him that when you die, if you've got five Real good friends. Then you've had a good, a good life. Writer Jay Kessler has said that one of his great hopes in life is to wind up with at least eight people who will attend his funeral service, without once checking their watches. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, this morning we're on our third message under loving God, developing an intimate relationship with God, and our character this morning is Abraham, good old. Abe. And I doubt that any individual in history is more widely recognized and revered than Abraham. Abraham is patriarch to history's three monotheistic religions Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And if we went to Israel today, we would find that the town most associated with Abraham in his lifetime was the town of, or the city of Hebron. Hebron in Arabic actually means the friend. So Jews and Christians and Muslims agree on this point. They remember this man Abraham as the friend of God. Uh, Abraham has the wonderful honor on three occasions in the Bible to be called the friend of God. Imagine that, called the friend of God. What a legacy that you, you're, you would be remembered as a friend of God. One of those texts is James chapter 2, verse 23. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So I hope you've checked your Facebook page. Some of you have a lot of friends on Facebook. And you know, God has his friend list as well. And he keeps sending you requests to be his friend. I hope that you all have accepted his request, that you've seen it, that you've responded to it, and that you're in the process of growing as one of his friends. You're learning who he is and that his heart is to have you really know Him and love Him and experience the friendship that can exist between our God and us. It's a friendship that is unique, it is very personal, it is very deep, and it is designed especially for all of us to be able to enjoy through our lifetime. But since Abraham was a friend of God, I just say this morning, why not learn from him? How did that friendship with God look for Abraham? Are the areas transferable? Can we say, oh, Abraham experienced friendship with God in these ways? Well, could that work for us too? Could we experience God in those ways? So there may be some very common areas. No doubt you know that the story of Abraham is a fairly extended story. It's called the Abrahamic narrative and it begins after we capture the landscape of the first 11 chapters uh, of Genesis. And when we get to the 12th chapter of, of Genesis, we have a story that's developing. We have a story that's in the making. We read steadily for the whole another 13 chapters after chapter 12, and it's mainly about Abraham, the friend of God. And in those chapters we gather information about what it means to live out our identity as uh, friends of God. We learn how to live in the dynamics of family and community. We learn what it means to be in covenant with a living God. We discover what it's like to have a sense of promise and hope for the future, and yet feeling at home with God in the everyday journey. We learn who we are to be and who God has made us to be, and we become first personal friends with God. So let's learn this morning from Abraham. And the first thing is that he's friendly. God is friendly. God is friendly. We learned that from Abraham. That God is friendly. That he's not an enemy. That he's a friend. And you know we're still having problems with that. Thousands of years post Abraham. Abraham somehow got it. I wonder somehow how Abraham got that so easily that, uh, that God was friendly. Because, because Abraham grew up in an environment that wasn't that way. The dominant sense that most people seem to have back in that day is that the, the gods were distinctly unfriendly. I mean, there were some pretty elaborate religious rituals that people engaged themselves in only to protect themselves from the wrath of the gods. And they were sacrifices and systems to appease the gods because those gods would have temper tantrums and do awful things to people. I mean, our Western civilization doesn't uh, agree with that any longer. We don't go into those forms, not in, not in the West, and, but we're kind of superstitious too in our own way. We can feel like the forces are lining up against us We live with anxiety and guilt and indifference. There is still an undercurrent of fear. God gets blamed a lot for the bad stuff that happens these days. Uh, Therefore, God must not be on our side. He must not really be our friend. Uh, But we continue to believe with all of our hearts that God is for us, that He loves us, that He wants the best for us, and that He desires to be our friend. And while this may be... uh, a dangerous world in which to live at times. I'm not fully up to date of all that took place uh, last evening with a terrorist event here in, in Edmonton. I'm just hearing bits and pieces of it, but, but there is an insecurity in our land. And, 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 you know, we have more security checks today than we've ever had before. I mean, you just can't trust like we always used to trust. And that for 300 people to climb on an aeroplane, this is risky. There may be just one person who has a dark heart and that could be your demise. So we check and we run scans and we get people to sign documents that they're not taking anything destructive on board the plane. Because we've got this fear. It's true that there are things to be concerned about today in terms of our security. There truly is. But God is not one of them. And Abraham somehow knew that early on in his life. That God had called him to leave his country and go to a new place where he'd never been before. And Abraham was okay with that because God called him. And he trusted God and he believed God was his friend and he wanted the best for him. And that's awesome. And all I can say is that Abraham experienced God accurately. He believed that God was on his side and he lived on that street. Friends, to have intimacy and a growing relationship with God, that first observation is very, very important. Although very well known to us, and we affirm that over and over again, but even to say it again today, God is friendly. God wants to be our friend. He's a good friend. You may not always understand him, But he is an awesome friend. Secondly, God does real life with his people. Abraham never had an easy life. Now, some people say, oh, Abraham, his life was pretty pretty easy. Read the accounts and you see he did not have an easy life. God was Abraham's friend. But don't interpret that to mean that Abraham sailed through life without any difficulties. He didn't have an easy life. Read chapters twelve. 13, 14, right up to 25. Tucked here in the middle of Genesis and you see how this journey went with him. When God called him to go west, young man, from Ur of the Chaldees to wherever he was going, wherever he was going, it was not easy. So the road that Abraham followed led him right into Canaanite country. Angie read it this morning. Wow, he had to negotiate life with people more powerful than he and his family They were different from him. And they worshiped different foreign gods. And it wasn't easy for him to tip to toe through the, the Canaanites. But God was doing real life with Abraham. Abraham had some family squabbles with Lot that caused them to part ways and settle into different parts of the new land. But there was also the dangerous rescue of Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah, if you remember the story. And boy, was that messy. And then Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt as she looked back. Oh, and remember the decades of barrenness for Sarah. On how hard that was on both husband and wife. And then this Bible says that they lived through a famine in Canaan. And they went to Egypt, but there was danger in Egypt. So God is doing real life with Abraham. Oh, and don't forget about Hagar and Ishmael who had to leave the family because things were really tense back home with Abraham and Sarah. And they had to go. Life is very real for them. How about the time God says to them when they're going to have a baby? And here's Mr. Unwavering Faith Abraham. He does not simply chuckle at the thought. He, he like falls on his face laughing at such a prospect. I mean, after all, he's 99 years old. Sarah is 90, he thinks this is a big joke. But we know the story. And oh, Sarah laughed too. Genesis 18, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Sarah was afraid so she denied it saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. (laughs) It's true, Sarah had a baby, Isaac was born. That's real life. And God did it with Abraham and Sarah. Is it ever real life? And as the Genesis story has it, Sarah finally dies at the age of 127. Abraham married again at about 140 years of age and has another half dozen kids. An active senior citizen. Amazing. Finally dies at the age of 175. Old and full of years. Yes, this is real life stuff. I love this story because uh, we can all learn some incredibly important truths from Abraham. What you see is that God adds people to his friend list, but that these people are not taken out of the busyness and the reality of life, they aren't removed to some remote island to live in a beach hut. Swing in a hammock and sip tropical fruit juice for the rest of their lives. Now, God chooses and then He uses real people, imperfect people, people like Abraham who lied to the Pharaoh to protect his own skin. Oh, this is my sister because Sarah was a looker. And if Pharaoh wanted to, he could just knock old Abe off and take his wife into the harem court. So Sarah, you tell him that you're my sister. Just so you see, that's Abraham. He's a friend of God. Real life, if you start with understanding that God is friendly, God is your friend, then you're a place where you can do real life with God. Because he will walk with you. And you will know that he's always for you regardless of what the road looks like. You sometimes misunderstand a friend. It, it doesn't always seem like the friend is on your, on your team. So it doesn't always mean that everything is cozy between you and God. There's some growing and some groaning and some stretching and, and trying to understand what in the world is happening here. To be a friend doesn't mean that you just pamper that person and you always give them their own way. That's not always the best. We know that in raising our kids, that you can't always give them what they want. Friendship also involves struggle and loss and tension and turbulence. A a friend will tell you things to help you, but it doesn't mean you want to hear the things that they have to say. What is that verse? Is it in Proverbs? Faithful are the wounds... Are, are, are the wounds of a friend. So in, in our friendship with God, don't always expect smooth sailing. It doesn't mean that God isn't for you, but our heavenly friend is teaching us and shaping us and reminding us and forging us into a, a deeper friendship. I smiled when I read the story <laughs> about uh, age 41. Anybody out here around that age? about age 41, uh, the writer noticed the quality of print in newsletters and phone books had diminished significantly. Anybody having that experience these days? The ink they were using seemed to be a poor quality because the print had begun to blur and the type was much smaller than it previously had been. So prior, he said, to complaining to our local publisher, my wife prevailed upon me to consult a nearby ophthalmologist. Following my exam, the man gave me a prescription for bifocals. I asked, why do I need bifocals? He smiled and said, it's time. It's just time. It's time for bifocals. When I was in my early 40s. Well, I had just finished using the last tube of by <laughs> Bifocals. But you see, that's life. That's real life. Symbolical of real life, turbulence and tension that we live through. We walk through the seasons when it's time. There's no rhyme or reason. It's it's time. It's there. We just go through it. Elizabeth Elliott wrote an article about going to a nursing home to visit her mother. Mama was basically confined to the bed or a wheelchair. She was forgetful. Often she would forget where she was, what what she'd eaten for lunch that day or if she'd eaten lunch at all. She forgot the names of her grandchildren. She kept forgetting that one of her daughters had a husband though no one could fully determine if that was intentional. Before leaving, often the whole family would gather around Mama's bed or wheelchair. Uh, one would hoist a tune, and soon everyone would join in singing Amazing Grace, or Standing on the Promises, or some other hymn that Mama taught the children to sing 60 years before. Sudden, suddenly, Miss Elliott wrote, the tired, weak, old voice would become young and strong again, just as it had been in the kitchen all those years before. And Mama would join in singing the hymns and would remember every word to every verse, even though she couldn't remember anything else at all. She forgot so much, but her faith and in the stories and in the songs had staying power. Well, so it was with Abraham. What gave meaning to his whole life? It was the relationship he had forged with God in the beginning of life. That he was a friend of God. That somehow he knew it in his heart that God was his friend and he was a friend of God. His life was real, not perfect by any means, but an authentic journey with one who was his friend. What memories, what memories. How many times had he stopped and he built an altar and he had stones built there to worship God and to say thank you to God for his provision along the way. He would stop. He would build an altar. He would travel on. He would build another altar. And they were all experiences with God. God loves us. And we love him. And together we do real life. It's quite a ride. We're all having different rides these days. It's, all, it's different for all of us. It's unpredictable. It's unpredictable. It's not always that easy. It's sometimes very hard. But God doesn't love you less when it's hard. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So secondly, God does real life with his people. Thirdly, God's friendship is without strings attached. In our world, we've learned to network. And friendships can come in very handy there may come a time when we say, is this about the friendship, or is this about the network? What's really authentic here? We may join organizations not for the sake of the organization, but for the network, for the sake of what that organization can do for us. What is authentic? What is not? What comes with strings attached? Leo Roasted uh, tells a story about Yuri, uh, a Jewish engineer in the former Soviet Union. Yuri had been ordered to move to a minor position in a faraway, frozen Siberian outpost. His parents were in tears while they were watching young Yuri pack. I'll write every day, said Yuri. Don't worry, Mom and Dad. But the censorship, wailed his mother. They'll watch every word. Yuri's father said, I have an idea. Anything you write in black we'll know is true. But anything you put in red ink, we'll know is nonsense. And you're just writing that to cover. Well, a month passed. Then from Siberia came a long letter, all in black ink. "'Dear Mama and Papa,' the letter began, "'I can't tell you how happy I am here. "'It is a worker's paradise. "'We're treated like kings. "'I live in a fine apartment. And the local butcher has meat every single day. There are many concerts and theaters and movies and all of them are free. And there is not one tiny bit of anti semitism Love, your son Yuri. P.S. There's only one thing you can't find here. Red ink. Sometimes you have to be so cautious what you say. So cautious where you go so cautious where you plant your flag. You have to be politically correct uh, so you don't bring unnecessary criticism into your ranks and get distracted from your mandate. But with God, there are no strings attached. You don't have to be political with God. He's not political with us. We don't become a friend of God because it will position us for something that we're looking for, a singing career, a stage presence a business connection, a whole new set of friends, whatever the the advantages might be. God doesn't use us and we don't use God. He is our rock and our shelter through the journey of life. And he's given us the precious Holy Spirit who lives within us and guides us. We're not remote from him. We can talk to him at any moment and we can ask, Lord, what, what are you trying to say to me? What do you want to teach me? I know you love me, so what should I know that will help me through this part of my journey? Abraham was God's friend. That's the bottom line. No qualifiers, no conditional clauses. And as you know, and as I said, Abraham built built these altars wherever he went. He was listening to God as to where to go next. What was God saying to him? He had a communion with God in the midst of his journey. For example... Genesis 126 6 9 says, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to, to your descendants. I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up hill con- a country in the hill country. With Bethel to the west and A to the east, there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abraham continued traveling south by stages towards the Negev. So I love the way that Abraham is just carefully making his way along a route that is still not clear to him. He's just meeting with God, getting his instructions, trying hard to hear God and obey him as he's come to appreciate him as a dear friend. He didn't get back to Shechem. He didn't feel like he had to go back there and get in touch with God. He built an altar wherever he happened to be. He didn't say, well, this happened in my life 30 years ago, and I remember this. But he he kept up a friendship with God that was real and vital to him. No strings attached, and he still meets with us today, and his friendship doesn't have any strings attached to it as well. Abraham walked with God, but he didn't do it perfectly, nor do we. In fact, uh, we never use the word perfect in any of our relationships. None of us have perfect relationships. They may be a good relationship, but, but because of who we are, they're not perfect. So Abraham was a friend of God, even in his imperfection. Uh, so just a reminder today that uh, as you look at your journey that God is on your journey that he is a friendly God he loves you that he wants to be your friend that he wants to do real life with me every day and he's not political he has no strings attached and he will take you through hard places but the promise is he will take you through so hey friends God sent you a a friend request. Are you saying yes to that request day by day? Do you have a desire to follow him wherever he leads you, whatever that looks like? If you've heard God speak to you today, I just invite you to join God on the journey he's taking you through. It's the best road. And uh, here's a prayer. I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads with me. And just, would you pray this prayer with me? Just in the quietness of your heart, just just pray along with this prayer and let it be from your heart to God. Lord, I want to be on the journey with you. I want to be on the journey with you. Thanks for wanting to be friends with me. I do accept your request to be a friend. I want to be your friend, Lord. I ask you to forgive my sin. I ask you to come into my life. Lord, forgive me where I've kind of left you behind and gone my own way. But now I pray that you would come and may I join you on your road once again. May this road be Just exactly the road that you have mapped out for me. And I want to follow you in faithfulness and in joy and in obedience. In Jesus' name.